Our lessons this morning are from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 60, and the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2. But before I read the passage, I'd like to ask for God to speak to us. So please pray with me. God of wonder, as the star rose and guided the Magi, illuminating the place where Jesus was, so now may the light of your Holy Spirit shine in our hearts as the word is read and proclaimed. Guide us again to Christ and direct us in new paths of faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel lesson is a familiar one. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophets, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. 
Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Have you ever noticed that each nativity set is a little bit different? We have two in our home. One that I received as a present when I was leaving the church I served in South Carolina, and one that we got on our trip to Israel when we were in seminary. Now each of those are wooden, and they don't actually have phases carved into them, which I think leaves room for our imagination to discover what we might see when we look at them. But the one that I received from the church in South Carolina, it's a willow tree nativity, and so it's painted wood. It's a really simple set. There's a star backdrop and four people, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and one shepherd. There are two sheep and a donkey, but that's it. It's so simple. I'm sure I could order extra items to go with it, but, but I kind of like how small and simple that nativity is. And then there's the one we got in Israel. It is beautiful. It is ornate, carved olive wood, and it's a large set. It came with a huge, stable backdrop. In addition to the Holy Family, you can find shepherds and cows, a donkey, sheep, the wise men, and a camel. Three wise men, to be exact. I guess, to match the number of gifts that there were. And I'm sure this isn't a shock for you, because if you think about some of the nativities you have in your home, I imagine that some of them probably include the wise men as well. In fact, when we do our impromptu Christmas pageant on Christmas Eve, we have sashes and crowns to allow the wise men to come to the nativity. But did you catch when we read our gospel lesson this morning that it doesn't seem to be the night of Jesus' birth. There's no mention of shepherds or animals. There's no mention of a stable. It says that they went to the house. Now, some people get really hung up on this fact. People like Thomas Whitley, for instance, who instead of placing our whole nativity together in one spot in our home, place the Holy Family at one spot, and place the wise men in another room so that they can journey on the way to Epiphany and arrive at the Holy Family. But he's not the only one who does this. In fact, on Facebook, there is a whole profile called The Wandering Wise Men, and each day through Advent, they post a different scene of the wise men journeying to meet the Holy Family but they don't arrive until January 6th. I wonder why we combine the story of the wise men with the story of Jesus' birth. I wonder if it has to do with all of the danger that actually lurks in the gospel lesson we read today. You see, hidden behind each interaction with King Herod, it's like you can hear those ominous three notes. Dun, dun, dun. 
Herod does not give us a sense of hope or joy or allow us that feeling of celebration that we want to have with the Christmas story. We want to focus on worshiping Jesus. We want to forget about the threat of the world into which he was born. And on one hand, I think that's noble. I do want to lift up the fact that these magi came to worship the Christ child. I want to celebrate that not only did they understand that the star was something worth following, but when they got there, they understood that Jesus was deserving of great gifts, of respect, of all that they could offer. But as I was preparing for our sermon this morning, I was struck by Barbara Brown Taylor and what she had to say in her commentary. She says, today's text from Matthew offers us a rare opportunity to rescue the Magi from their fixed places in the annual Christmas pageant and to restore them to their biblical roles as key witnesses to both the threat and the promise of the Christ child. And so for the next little bit, that's what I'd like for us to do, to examine both the threat and the promise of the Christ child for the world in which the wise men journeyed and for our world today. Our gospel lesson makes it easy for us to discern the threat that Jesus plays in his era. Remember, King Herod takes up this role of trickster. He plays an inquisitive part with the wise men, asking when the star appeared. But as readers, we catch on to his ruse and know that he's really trying to determine how old this baby was. You see, if there was any idea, any truth to this idea of another king being born, Herod wanted to wipe it out. It's why he continues on, go and find this baby, he tells the wise men, and when you find him, come back and tell me where he is so I can pay homage. The Christ child was a threat to power for King Herod, and he was afraid. And Matthew tells us just prior to this passage, so was all Jerusalem with him. The Magnificat in Luke 1 that Pastor Brad preached on just a few weeks ago also speaks of that threat. Mary's song says, The Lord has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Both in Luke's tradition and in Matthew's, those in positions of power had reason to be concerned. And when Herod thinks his grip on power might be loosening, he responds in fear. We've seen it time and time again in our own lives. When we respond in fear, we often respond harshly or perhaps even resort to violence. In ordering for all males under age two to be killed, Herod is reacting to the news of Jesus' birth in fear. He takes the path of darkness, 
thinking violence will solve his problems. We don't often sense this reality, the danger of the world into which Christ was born, when we think about the wise men and their visit to Jesus. However, there is a work by Leonardo da Vinci that went unfinished called The Adoration of the Magi. And it gives us a sense of that danger. You see, although it's rough sketches, if you take a look at the Magi kneeling at the feet of Mary and Jesus, you can't help but look beyond them because they're not seated in a simple home. Instead, all around them are buildings falling down in ruin and soldiers on horseback attacking civilians. It's as if the artist is trying to convey the idea that the world into which the Messiah comes is in chaos and decay. And after listening to Matthew tell of King Herod, I'm not sure how far off the artist was with his interpretation. But the world wasn't just a place of danger. It was a place of hope because of the promise of Jesus. When we hear of this star that guided the wise men, it reminds us of the Israelites when they were traveling and how they were guided by a pillar of fire from the wilderness to the promised land. For the wise men, the star was the light that guided them to the promise of the Christ child. In Jesus, they recognize a true light something in their hearts that lets them know worship was due. It's as if they sensed something was about to change in the world. It's almost like I can hear those lyrics we're about to sing in a moment being sung behind the wise men. Star of wonder, star of night, guide us to thy perfect light. Aware of the promise of the Christ child, the wise men receive a dream from God, and they know that they cannot go home by the way they came. Their lives have been changed by this encounter with Jesus. And instead of going back to Herod, they went home by another way. Instead of returning to fear and darkness, they choose to continue in the journey of light. After their encounter with Christ, the wise men reacted in hope. Now, I don't want us to confuse hope with naive optimism. I'm confident that after the wise men had this dream, they were keenly aware of the danger that lurked around the corner for them and for the Christ child. To respond with naive optimism would be to say, you know what, it's all going to be fine. Optimism carries with it this blindness to danger, believing that the best is going to happen regardless of reality. Instead, I believe they responded in hope, knowing that there was danger, that Jesus was a threat to King Herod, and yet, they had confidence that in the end, light would overcome darkness. The light of Christ would win out 
And this is the message of hope. Three years ago, when we moved into our home, I was so excited to decorate for Christmas. In particular, because we have an arched opening between our living room and dining room, and I knew that this would be the perfect place to hang the Christmas cards we receive. Every year, I've done that. And this year, as I began to line the archway with cards from our church family and our friends from all over the years, I noticed a common theme, a continual reference to what a year 2020 has been. Even in this Christmas season, we have to be honest about the threats that have been around us. 2020 has been quite a year. Like da Vinci's painting, the world around us has been marked by things like chaos and decay. With the onset of a global pandemic, some in our midst were burdened by financial woes and others struggled with mental health issues. Many have died from this virus, and that's not all we faced in 2020. We felt the tension of political division, not to mention that tension that has bubbled up for our siblings of color as they cry out for racial justice. And what a year 2020 has been. It's easy to want to give in to fear, now more than ever, to begin to close ourselves off, to begin to respond harshly when we don't fully understand those around us. But my prayer is that instead of following the path of fear, the path that leads to darkness, by allowing all that we have faced to overwhelm us, we will choose a different path, another way home for 2021. Like the wise men who journeyed home by another way, we don't need blind optimism, but rather we need hope. Hope that even though threats surrounded them, this Christ child brought a light that would change the world. And as we close the chapter on 2020 and enter into 2021, may we remember that Emmanuel continues to bring us light that can change the world. In the new year, may we watch and work to see the world of promise into which Jesus still comes. To the glory of God. Amen.